right, all right, here we go. This is the NBA Dream Podcast for RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Today is Thursday, June the 1st. I'm your host, Sleepy J, joined by the one and the only Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie and I, we're going to go ahead. We're going to talk the NBA Finals, and we have a debate on our hands. You guys never get these kind of podcasts from Mackenzie and myself, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to battle it out today. So we're going to go ahead and have an NBA Finals duel. Mac likes the Nuggets. I like the Heat to go ahead and win the title. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to argue this one out for you guys today. Game one tonight, as many of you know. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a look at that. If you guys are looking for premium picks for the NBA Finals over there at pregame.com, I have my game one pick up tonight. Many others do as well at pregame.com. Simply enter code FINALS20 and save 20% on any pick this entire week for the NBA Finals. Mac, it's me against you. We got the Nuggets. We got the Heat. I'm on one side. You're on the other. I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about this particular NBA Finals that's lined up. I don't think many of us saw the Heat and the Nuggets here in the NBA Finals, but here we are. Are you surprised at this matchup? Because I am. Oh, very much surprised. And I'm going to make the argument that the Nuggets are poised to be uh, the team of the future. Uh, Not unlike the 14-15 Warriors where they're playing a brand of basketball Idol, uh, utilizing a position in a way, the way the Warriors did with a point guard, a scoring point guard, hadn't really won anything in the NBA ever. Uh, and neither has a scoring center. And it hasn't happened. And I don't think teams are necessarily prepared for it. Spolster has a, a two decades history of being in the video room, finding what teams are doing, finding the advantages. Um, and I don't think there's a lot of tape or a lot of history on what this particular guy is doing in Jokic. Um and first of all, I just want to say it's fitting that uh, we were so much in line these last two years and coming, but always admitting that we were coming at it from different angles where I was more of an analytics guy. Um, you came from more of the uh, emotional and uh, motivational looking for those edges. And we find ourselves in a situation where every analytics model ever said the war, uh, the heat had a 0% chance of winning the Eastern conference finals. Uh, if you round down, <laughs> Uh, they had no chance against the Knicks. They were underdogs. They had no chance against the Bucks. It was minus eleven hundred. The analytics, uh, which a lot of the Vegas metri- Vegas lines are going to be based on, don't believe in this Heat team. And I am a stubborn man, and I don't necessarily believe in this Heat team. I believe they've um, figured out and unscrewed uh, the three teams that they've played, and figured out their offense in particular, and, and found a way to um, damage it. But I think the Nuggets are just playing on another level. I don't think they have a way, the Heat do, to slow down that offense. So that's that's my main handicap, that the Heat win by putting a, a, a stick in your bicycle wheels and tripping you up. And I think right now the the Nuggets are just are they're driving a four-wheel, uh, four, uh, <laughs> an automobile that it's not going to be able to be tripped up. Uh, their offense is just too efficient, too many options. And I think that's going to be the difference. So uh, that's where I'm coming at it. And uh, if you want, we can bet this straight up. You know, you like the Heat. I like the Nuggets. Plus 100 either way. Uh, you know, just make a little friendly wager. And uh, we could do it that way. All right. So we'll go ahead and we'll we'll make a wager here. You against me for bragging rights. I mean, I obviously have the odds in my favor Was the, is my joke. Obviously, yes. Yeah. I'm in your favor. Um, and I don't mind that because I actually feel that this series is much closer than, uh, than, than the odds suggest. Mackie, one of the things that you were just talking about, and I think that this is something that a lot of people are missing. One of the things that we've noticed in the NBA is that some teams care about 
the regular season and some teams only care about the playoffs. And this is a discussion that you and I have had with many teams this entire year. And I kind of feel like this is a perfect example of a team in the regular season, the Denver Nuggets, who cared about you know being the best team in the West, finishing with the number one seed against a team in Miami who ended up finishing the year as the eighth seed. Maybe they didn't care. I mean, we could say that they did. We could say that they didn't. But here they are in the Eastern Conference Finals. And one of the things that you and I had talked about and we talk about often is what's the motivation for a team? Well, Miami last year, if you guys remember, they got knocked out of the playoffs. They were the one seed. It was like, you know, they they wanted that home court advantage and they were running and gunning and being like, you know, we, we got a chance to win the title this year. And that's what they were playing for. Well, everything kind of unfolded in a negative way for them. And that really fueled their fire. And they talked about that. Uh, multiple times, a, a couple times in that Buck series, a couple times in the Boston series, that th- they wanted to get that sour taste out of their mouth. So I think Miami was geared up to get to the playoffs this year. It was less focused on the regular season, more focused on getting to the playoffs. So, Mac, I, I want to ask you, and I don't know if you agree with that, but I feel like these two teams approach this season differently. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I feel like the Nuggets. Uh, this was their coming out party again. Not unlike the fourteen fifteen Warriors, where the regular season, uh, well, maybe maybe once they had the ones he locked up, they took their feet off the brake. But it was a prove it kind of year. They hadn't had a healthy Murray to pair with an MVP Jokic uh, since the bubble, and I think that was before Jokic won the MVP. So they hadn't had this particular dynamic. Uh, the city was electric all year. They always have a great home court advantage. Whereas the Heat, I don't think they're bothered by whoever they're playing in the playoffs. I don't think they're bothered by, uh, you know, what the expectation is. You you mentioned they were the number one seed last year. Uh, They kind of had some bad injury luck. They kind of just didn't uh, work right away, right out the gate. I'm not sure if that was intentional or if, I mean, it's kind of intentional when you're just preparing for a long season. You're not necessarily sweating, uh, you know, every week's performance, but just trying to get better. They added Kevin Love uh, midway through. I think that even if he doesn't he didn't play a lot the last you know few games of the Eastern Conference Finals, I feel like the dynamic changed with Kevin Love. Uh, became a lot more like the 17 Cavs, where it was spread everybody out, let Butler operate, and you have a power forward that can knock down threes. But entering the playoffs, the Heat were given no chance. They were 25. No, I'm sorry. That was after they won round one. I'm sorry. They were 150 to one to win the championship. Again, the analytics didn't love them as a one seed last year. They hated them as an eight seed this year. But more than ever, the regular season is not representative of the best basketball, especially in playoff basketball. The most stars missed games this year ever. The most players missed games ever. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think the injury bug was particularly bad. I just think it's it's the dynamic of the league. And people are teams like the Heat, veteran teams like the Heat, are prioritizing this time of year. By the way, the Nuggets weren't particularly believed in either. They were 10 to 1 entering the playoffs. So you mentioned earlier, this is a shock final. Um but maybe we've learned we've learned a thing or two, and we shouldn't have been so shocked uh, because they're playing great basketball, both these teams. Well, I think one of the things that many people are buying into, at least right now, is that they're starting to think that Denver might be the best team in the league. I think there's no way that that could even be possibly true. You know, when we headed into the playoffs, Mac, who was the favorite to win the title? I told everybody take that ticket, throw it in the garbage, that it was absolutely worthless. It was the Milwaukee Bucks, and that's who Miami had to play. The Bucks were clearly the favorite, and that's kind of why we brought it up on this podcast. So Miami dismantled them. They went in there twice into Milwaukee, beat them on the road twice. They beat them in five games. So that series wasn't much of a series. 
if they beat the number one team in the league at that time, which many thought, I disagreed. After that series was wrapped up there, Mac, who then became the favorite to win the NBA title? Who Who is everybody saying is it, this is the best team in the NBA? The Boston Celtics. And it's a great point because the Bucks, we both agreed, were uh, mispriced as favorites. But the Celtics immediately became that next team, and then the Heat dismantled them as well, although it took seven. I think that question of who is, you know, forget who's playing, who is the best team in the NBA, one way to look at that is next year's title odds. And the Nuggets, who were not even close to the favorite entering the playoffs or entering the season, are the favorites now, plus 550 consensus. So they're considered the best, or at least expected to be the best next year. The Bucks have fallen off. They're seven to one. They have a new coach figuring things out. And the Celtics are just behind the Nuggets now. The Heat, by the way, they're the sixth favorite. They were the sixth favorite after round one. They won two more rounds, and now they're the sixth favorite to win next year's title at 16-1. to 1. Uh, They are not believed in by the Vegas market. Maybe that's an opportunity. Well, I think one of my main arguments here there, Mac, against the Nuggets is that the path to get here was so much harder for Miami versus what Denver had to do. No doubt. Denver played a play-in team in the Timberwolves. Okay, they're a play-in team. They played another play-in team in the Lakers. All right, they're a playing team. And then they played a team that you and I thought were going to win the NBA title, the Phoenix Suns. Now, Phoenix has an issue. Chris Paul got hurt. I mean, he always gets hurt in the playoffs. We probably should have factored that in there, Mac. That's almost like a lock every time the playoffs come around. They need to get rid of him, and they need to get a guy that could actually stay healthy. But let's just say on paper, Mac, how many teams in the NBA right now, in your mind, and let's just take the fact that the Denver Nuggets are, are they're in the finals. Okay, great. But how many teams are out there that you would actually have above this Nuggets team? Because I would have like five or six, arguably. I, I would not. I've been super, super impressed by this Nuggets team. If you look at net rating, how, how much you're outscoring your opponent per 100 possessions in the playoffs. And it's a great point. Granted, they didn't play any team seeded higher than a four seed. And the Suns, who were leading in the second quarter, in the third quarter of game two when Paul got hurt, they were leading by eight. Easily could have won that game. It's a different series if they do. Um, they were only a four seed still. So they've had a much easier path, but still the metrics mean something to me. And if you look at net rating, Nuggets are plus nine and a half per hundred possessions. The next best team, the Heat at plus 3.4. So three times as efficient, three times as productive. They've lost three games these playoffs. So you can only play who they play, who they line you up against. And they ha- they couldn't do much better than than rolling through the teams they have. And I think that that was a lot of the motivation for Denver is that they wanted to get the easiest path possible. But I also think one of the things that helped them out was the Western Conference. If you look at the issues that the West had this year, you had John Morant gun charges. Uh, Let's not say that Sacramento did anything bad, but the fact that the Kings were a three seed, I mean, that kind of shocked everybody. I think that that alone lets you know that the West wasn't exactly healthy, or at least it wasn't exactly right. Paul George goes down. The Warriors end up losing Wiggins for, what, almost you know two months or however long. Uh, there were issues there, issues on the defensive side of the ball. The Lakers were never right. I mean, they were bringing pieces in and out. Uh, no Zion Williamson. Uh, you think you had Carl Anthony Towns miss a ton of time. The Phoenix Suns were a newly put-together team. Like, the West just had a lot of issues, and I think that there's probably three teams in the West that are better than this Nuggets team. So that's just my argument. But I think the East, at least the East, seemed like it was much healthier that it was built for kind of uh, an all-out type of brawl. I thought Boston was the best team. I still think that Boston is probably the best team in the league. But 
one thing that Miami can do. They could take you out of your game. They can get in your head. They can rattle you. And I think a lot of the the Celtics demons from last year kind of came roaring back at them. But look, I think that that clearly Miami had the harder road, you know, to get here. And I don't think they're intimidated one bit. I think they're looking forward to this challenge. And they've won every game on the road in game one. The fact that this line's nine, it's completely disrespectful. So I think Miami comes into this series and this particular game, you know, with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Do you think game seven plays out differently if Tatum doesn't get hurt on that first play? I'm not necessarily sure, but here's what I thought about. And I think this is something that that we do have to consider. Miami wins comfortably in game seven. There's not going to be as much of a letdown factor as many would think. If this were a last-second type of victory, go back to game six, how Boston won. Boston was clearly out. They thought they were going to lose that game. They called timeout. They get the ball at half court. You end up with the miraculous play from Derek White. He tips it in there with you know .01 seconds on the clock. They end up winning the game. That's where the letdown came from. It came from that particular moment, I think. In Miami, they were... Like the six-minute mark in game seven, they were comfortable. They knew they were going to be here. So there there wasn't that celebratory. I don't think you're going to see that type of a letdown coming in here for game one, you know, with this Miami team, even in elevation. So there's a trend here, and I've talked about it before, talked about in the Dream Preview, talked about SUVAM with Scott Seinberg and RJ Bell. Teams off of a game seven playing a team not off a of game seven, like this Heat Nuggets matchup, strongly favors a team with more rest. But your analysis made me interested. So when a team that won that game seven, like the Heat, won by more than 15, as Miami did, how do they do in that game one? Well, only five and 12 ATS minus six and a half. However, that anti-celebration mentality, I don't think any other team could have demonstrated as much. It was a somber Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, it wasn't on the road. It wasn't in Boston. Everyone is booing them. But it was a somber Eastern Conference final celebration almost. Butler did not take the the Larry Bird MVP trophy. He's like, I'll hold the next one. I'll hold the Bill Russell because that's the real that's the real goal. Uh, so if there's any team that can that can buck that, I think Miami can, and I think they do have um, an experienced better veteran advantage in this stage for the first time. Not for Butler, not for Adam Bio, but for everybody on the Nuggets. So I think maybe early in the game. Um, their veteran leadership, their experience, their tactics will make a difference. However, this trend is really strong. It's really strong. Game, teams off of Game 7, they've had to play three more times. They've had to suit up, go through training, go through practice, play intense basketball than the Nuggets. I feel like that does show up in this Game 1. Well, I think one of the questions I wanted to ask myself and get an answer maybe from you on this one was that go back to that Game 7 win where Miami really didn't show a whole hell of a lot of emotion. And they they were like, you know, we got bigger, better, you know, fish to fry. And I think that that was their mindset coming into this year was just let's get to the playoffs and let's let things play out. Because, you know, last year they were they were pretty salty with that. But I feel like the Heat are built for this moment. And I'm not sure that that Denver is. Do you think that playoff experience will play a role in these finals? Because I actually think that it will. I think it'll play more of a role than than many people think. And I'm putting a lot of stock into that. I think that's your shot. I think the shot the the Heat win. If I'm not so worried about so much about Jokic, uh, maybe a little bit more about Murray. But if the role players on the Nuggets uh, get swallowed up by the moment of the NBA Finals, I don't think the Heat players will. 
So I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if there's one team that shrinks in this moment, you're right, in my, in my opinion, I think it's more likely to be Denver. And I think the one thing that we've seen throughout these playoffs, and I have to go back to the Buck series, I have to go back to the Boston series, the role players played such a key role under the spotlight, under immense pressure, where they were massive dogs, and they played fabulous. If Miami's role players, let's just say Caleb Martin, guys like that, Gabe Vincent, they don't go out and they play the way that they played. I mean, you even got a big game from Kyle Lowry. Like, if those guys don't go out and have those games, Miami's not here, and I think we would agree with that. But when I look at Denver and I look at what they did throughout their playoffs, it was largely Murray and Jokic, and that's what worries me. And I think Miami's a deeper team. Deeper team talent-wise, I think their bench is much deeper. And that brings me to, I guess, maybe my next point here there, Mac is the rest situation. And I have some picks for you guys for tonight's game, but I think the rest advantage is actually something that Miami is going to play to. They have Max Struess. That guy sat on the bench for a large amount of the last series. Same thing with Kevin Love. He kind of got taken out of the last series. You have guys like Gabe Vincent, and you have guys like Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry. Well, yeah, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo went heavy, heavy minute-wise. But the rest of those players, it's not like they were asked to go out there and and stretch their legs. And I think that that's what Miami kind of relies on tonight. The guys that played less minutes, that played a lot, you know, in the first, second, and third round, that that were like very impactful. I think those guys get leaned on here tonight, Mac. Now, here's what I'm going to go and do. This line's nine, right? I mean, this is like, I don't know if this is a historical type of game one line, but it seems very high, a, a line that I don't remember recall seeing any time. Uh, recently. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to play those lesser players for Miami over, over their points. I'm looking at guys like Kyle Lowry to go over seven and a half points, Duncan Robinson to go over eight and a half points, Max Struess to go over nine and a half points. Now I've been unable to find Kevin Love points. And that was actually my favorite one because I think that Spolster is going to look to get some bigger bodies out on the floor, particularly Kevin Love to go out there and try to slow down Jokic, to match him on the glass. And I was really looking at his points prop probably over tonight. The rest could be an issue, you know what I mean? Like you have a a team coming in on nine days rest or eight days rest. You have a team that just came off of a barn burner series against Boston and went seven games, kind of short rest. So why not lean on those players? But let's just say this plays out the way that many think this is going to play out there, Mac. This game turns into an absolute rout. Well, then I'm going to get those secondary players, those role players on the floor for Miami. And then you can go ahead and you can get Butler and Adebayo rest. So although we're 5-0 and there, Mac, on our last five picks on this podcast, I'm probably not going to go 4-0 and tonight. But I am going to give out four picks tonight. And I think that they're pretty much correlated. I'm not saying parlay these. It's something I would not do. But I would play Lowry, Duncan, Struess, and Kevin Love if you can find it. Play all those guys over their points. I think at worst, we probably go 2-2. Two and two. I could see us going 3-1, and 4-0 in this one. So those are the picks I'm going to give out for game one there, Mac. Four best bets for you. And you can't say we're sitting on our record after 5-0 and oh since, since the comeback tour of this pod. Uh... I like these plays, and you can't go 4-0 because although they're correlated, if their bench is playing a lot, you're likely to go 3-1 and or, or maybe 4-0. But generally, if one player is scoring more off the bench, they're going to play another player less. If Kevin Love's hot, maybe Struess gets less threes. But 
Uh, at the same time, it works in your favor the other way, where one of those players is most likely to be leaned on. But here's where I especially like to pick, because I don't think the Heat win, although they might, especially game one. I think that's the most likely road game they're going to get, although Denver's undefeated at home, 8-0. I feel like there's more than one ways you can win this, though, because Butler played 44 minutes in Game 7, and Adebayo played a bunch of minutes. So if it's tight, they're going to have to rely on their bench to to help those guys get over the rest disadvantage. And if it's not tight, which I don't think it will be, I think um, there's a good chance the the Nuggets blow this game up, aim open in the third quarter or earlier. Then you know you're going to get a lot of bench players because they can't, uh, you know, throw brick – you know, throw Jimmy Butler against a brick wall and hope it works. They're going to have to be smarter than that. They've done it before. Game five in the Eastern Conference Finals, Butler only played 33 minutes. They were like, well, we got to get one of the next two. They ended up doing that. Uh, but they weren't going to uh, throw good money after bad. So I feel like the Heat's bench is going to be important whether or not this game is close. And I think tonight's the night to do that. Game one. This is the only time in this series that I would ever make, you know, four secondary role players to all go over. This is the only time that you can do it, so I'm going to do it. But a lot of that, Mac, is is due to, you know, I'm getting stories from everywhere. You know what I mean? It's a, this is nine-point favorite. This team hasn't lost at home. Uh, this team's going to, you know, they're coming off of uh, an epic seven-game series against Boston. Like, I get all that. You know what I mean? And, and it all makes sense, and it's all fine and dandy. So I'm trying to drill down on what I think is going to win tonight. I looked at the total. Total's at 219. I looked at the side. I do have a play on the side tonight, and you can get that at pregame.com. But for this podcast, yeah, we're 5-0, and but I'm looking to go ahead and give out winners, and, and you're trying to do the same thing. So that's what I'm going to do for the game tonight. I'm going to give out those four players to go ahead and go over, and I feel pretty comfortable with that. All right. Well, since you gave the people four winners for tonight, uh, I'll give you two best bets that I have. One of them, piggybacking off the great R.J. Bell, I like the Nuggets in the third quarter. Again, these teams – with the great rest disadvantage, do very poorly in Game 1 after a Game 7. However, they do fine in the first half, the numbers say. So if the Heat do well in the first half, I love the Nuggets to come back in the third quarter. It's going to be like minus 300, I think, if they're down 5, um, versus you know minus 180 if, if they're up. So I'm, I'm laying the 2.5 in the third quarter. I made that bet. I like it. You can listen to more on uh, the main feet, or the, the main pod, as we call it, uh, with RJ Bell's Dream Preview. The bet I really like, and the more numbers I look, the more point I points to this. I like the Nuggets to win. I like Jokic to go under his points prop. So in wins in the playoffs, he's done great, 27 points per game. First For the season, he was only 25 points a game, so a little tick up. But in the three losses, one against Minnesota, two against Denver, uh, two against Phoenix, I'm sorry, he had a 40-burger, a 50-burger, in a 30-point game. He's averaging 42 points per game in losses, which makes a lot of sense with his personality and with the game, the dynamics of the game, where if Michael Porter Jr.'s hitting is great, Jamal Murray's hitting is great. He is perfectly fine setting screens and making passes, getting everybody involved, being the straw that stirs the drink. If it's not working, if Murray's throwing up bricks, if Porter's throwing up bricks, uh, and this has been the most impressive thing about Jokic to me in the playoffs, when it's not working, he doesn't say, oh, well, I've tried my best. I'm averaging a triple-double. What are you going to do? Like someone else said in the NBA Finals once. He said, all right, well, let me try to make it work. Let me try to make it work, and this is how I'm going to do it, by scoring a lot of points. Again, there's a reason why this, the all the money's coming in on the Nuggets. It goes open six. Now it's at nine. I feel like that money is accurate, and the Nuggets are going to win this game. When that happens, 
I love the role players to get involved at home. Jokic is averaging 27 at home in these playoffs, 33 on the road. Very similar dynamic. When it's harder, he steps up more. Essentially, that's what a great player is. When it's harder, he steps up more from a scoring perspective. However, if the Heat are playing their bench a little bit more, if they throw in a towel a little bit early, it's going to help me in multiple ways. One, I think he wants to get everybody involved, get everybody their feet wet in the NBA Finals. I think he thinks like that and he operates like that. And he might not play 40, 40 minutes if it's a 15-point game sometime in the fourth quarter, which a nine-point line suggests has a great chance to be. So this line is set right where it's been. Um, the last few games for Jokic, 27 and a half, which is probably an appropriate playoff average, even if in the regular season it's more like 25 and a half. And I like the under. And um, another thing we talked about, I like the under por- correlated with the Nuggets to win. So that's a little sweetener for you. If you, if you, if you mess with those same game parlays on FanDuel, you can get some nice plus money odds. Uh, Nuggets to win, Jokic under 27 and a half. Uh, or you can lay the nine. Jokic under 27 and a half, really juicy payout that way. But I do think that's strongly correlated. And even even if the Heat do pull the upset uh, against Bam Adebayo, he's been very efficient, you know, 70% shooting this year, um, very accurate shooting throughout his career against Adebayo, but he doesn't shoot all that much. He becomes a passer against this Heat team, uh, Jokic does. Only 22 points per game in 12 games in his career versus Bam Adebayo. Only gone over this number twice. In 12 games. So a lot of numbers point to it. Jokic, Jokic under the 27 and a half. And by the way, these Nuggets team has won and covered their last six against the Heat. So for our friendly wager, I think that helps me. But if it becomes seven uh, and the Heat haven't won in Denver since 2016 when um, Jameer Nelson was the Nuggets point guard instead of Jamal Murray and Birdman was their center instead of Jokic. It's been a minute since Miami's come into Denver and won. So I think sprinkle a little bit on the under 27 and a half parlayed or correlated with the Nuggets to win. All right. Well, here's my thought. Jokic worries me that he can go out there and have maybe possibly one of the best NBA final series that we've ever seen. Agree. One, he's that good MVP guy. Here's the other thing that worries me is that Bam Adebayo might be just too small for a guy like him, that he could just go out there and run him over. And my argument maybe to counter that if, you know, with the Miami side is that Bam Adebayo is super mobile. Can he just go ahead and really disrupt a guy like Jokic because he can play out of the paint. He can go ahead and get to him, you know, at the top of the key. So I don't know what we're going to see. This is, I think this is clearly the matchup of the series. If you ask me, if Adebayo can go ahead and disrupt Jokic, well, then that really throws a monkey wrench, you know, into this team. And one of the things that I don't think a lot of people probably had talked about or even maybe had thought about there, Mac, is that Miami knew who they were going to play for how long now? I think Denver was kind of on the fence, like thinking, oh, it's going to be Miami. And then here comes Boston roaring back, and they probably thought for sure, but, you know, Boston playing at home game seven. But now they're going to have to play Boston. So you have to wonder what they were doing internally, scrambling, wondering, you know, who what tape do we need to watch? What do we need to rely on? What do we have to plan for? Because clearly that's what Denver was doing with all those days off. You know, they're watching tape, getting ready to go ahead and get and get rolling. Miami already knew who they were playing. So they've been game planning, you know, for Jokic and this team, you know, for well over a week now. So I think that, that can help Miami. I'm not sure if you put any thought into that, but I think clearly the, the biggest matchup, I think the matchup that decides this series 
um, easily could be Adebayo and Jokic. So Hardwood Approxisms uh, Twitter account had this uh, matchup data from NBA.com. Uh, last two seasons versus Adebayo, 52 points, shooting 63%. Uh, so although he hasn't scored a bunch, again, only 22 in his career on average, uh, efficiency-wise, Jokic versus Adebayo is a matchup that I like as a, as a Nuggets backer here. Um, but I think if the Heat have an advantage, other than Jimmy Butler at the small forward position in this series, it's going to be in coaching and it's going to be in preparation. And the point you make that until they, they didn't have a, the Heat apparently knew where they were going after game seven because they didn't charter a flight to Miami. They chartered a flight directly to Denver. They showed that kind of confidence. Would have cost them a couple hundred thousand if it went the other way. They were willing to risk it and they, and that paid off for them. The Nuggets too. We're watching that game completely unaware of who to game plan for. They did have a few more days, so Michael Malone and crew could circle around and talk about both teams uh, during that sabbatical. Um, but the players, the intensity of, of mental focus, of sharpness, this is how we are going to execute. Uh, I do think Miami, uh, especially early in this series, talk about finals experience, that is an advantage for them. I think both teams are happy that they're kind of seeing each other, right? Denver doesn't want to see Boston. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, why would you want to see them? Something we haven't talked about is the home court advantage, where Miami, um, everyone talked about Boston losing at home. Miami lost three straight at home this year and last year to the Celtics in the playoffs, uh, or two straight this year, actually. I feel like that the Nuggets have the best home court in the NBA. I feel like Miami doesn't. Um so that means they got to win some road games, let alone their home games. Uh, so uh, what do you think about that in general? Do you think um, the home court advantage might be a significant edge for the Nuggets here? Or do you think maybe it doesn't matter because in the finals, all the crowds are going to be as raucous as hell? Well, I mean, Miami played excellent on the road this year. I mean, they went, in the, in, they went into Milwaukee, beat them twice, went into New York, beat them, you know, go on the road and beat Boston. But I agree with you that this is the best home court advantage and Denver hasn't flinched one bit at home. Like you said, they've won every single home game. Miami has to win one or two on the road where they're not going to win the title, but they've shown that they can do that and that they're not worried about that. And like I said, like, you know, that this team is playing, in my opinion, they played this entire regular season to go ahead and get to the playoffs. So this is probably part of their game plan. Yeah, they don't care. I mean, they don't care who's favored. They don't care what what the crowd is saying. I do think that is uh, a key aspect of the Heat culture where the Nuggets kind of needed it. They wanted home court real bad. Uh, So that's an interesting dynamic. But uh, it should be fun. It should be a fun finals. Uh, One of us is going to be paying off the other one. We'll we'll buy each other dinner next time you're out in Vegas, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, But uh, it's going to be a good one to watch. Extreme underdogs in probably the most open season in the NBA – I mean, at the trade deadline, Nuggets plus 750, Heat 42 to 1. End of the regular season, Heat 150 to 1. What did they do to deserve that? Uh, I mean, I guess they were they had to win a couple play-in games. And the Nuggets 10 to 1 at the end of the regular season. They got downgraded from the trade deadline to the end of the regular season, despite the fact they maintained the number one seed. They accomplished their goal. But um, I'm not sure if it's the best team in the NBA, I think it very well could be. All their best players are under 28. I feel like Curry changed the game with the scoring point guard that they didn't know how to handle, and everyone's been trying to copycat that. And then Kawhi Leonard won, and everyone's trying to get two wings. You see what the Celtics did. You see the Clippers doing that. I feel like the way to really win in the NBA is not to do what is expected the best, 
but to change the paradigm, change what teams are prepared to handle. And I don't think any team's prepared to handle this Nuggets offense right now. Um, best team in the NBA? Sure, until the Celtics uh, figure it out. Uh, I do think the Nuggets are the best team in the NBA, and I think they'll prove it in these finals. All right, well, it was a good debate there, Mac, and I feel like we have some solid picks there. So what Mackenzie and I will try to do, we'll go ahead, we'll try to do a podcast, hopefully before game two. Uh, I felt like this podcast in particular was different because Mackenzie and I are on both sides, and there's a lot of uh, uncertainty with these two teams. Nobody really expected them to be here. Uh, we have a crazy line in this one. You have a team that's been rested for nine days against a team that's coming off of you know, a barn burner seven-game series. So there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered. And I feel like Mackenzie and I will be a lot more comfortable after we see what happens tonight. And then game two, we'll be able to go ahead and dial in, drill down, get some storylines, and really give you guys maybe a much more confident podcast. I, although I, I believe both of us are very confident, but I think we still have questions. And I think a lot of those answers are going to come tonight. Now, if we go 5-0, and oh, we're doing a podcast immediately after the game's over. We'll be pounding our chest. We're 10-0. and oh, We're comfortable. We're ready. We knew everything. We were right. So we'll see. Hopefully everything pans out. Hopefully you guys make some money. But that'll wrap up the NBA Dream Podcast for today. Uh, you guys know where to find Mac and I on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame at Mac and Rivers. Make sure you guys like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review. I want you guys, some, somebody out there, and I'll read it online. Leave a review about the NBA Dream Pod with Mackenzie and Sleepy and tell us if you guys like it. Tell us if you learned anything or if you made any freaking money, which I hope that you guys have. So do that for us and and I would be happy to go ahead and read those. But that'll wrap it up. Wish you guys all the best of luck for NBA Finals game number one tonight. Enjoy the games. (laughs) 